Good morning. Good morning. Can you stand with us this morning? Something that's been just playing through my mind over and over again, where Scripture says, "Don't you know? In in your life, you'll have trouble, but don't worry about it. Amen. Don't worry about it. I've overcome the world. I don't know about you, but I've I've." was just expressing to the team this morning that I feel very distracted and I don't know why but it is what it is and I'm human Um, but we get to be here this morning and we get to worship together so father thank you for such a beautiful day thank you that we can be together this morning thank you lord for the sunshine for the warm weather for the melting snow the hope of spring the beauty that you have created you've surrounded us with beauty father not just in nature, but in, in the humans that you have created. All the different personalities, all the looks, all the smiles. Father, the different height of people, the different builds of people. Father, you've created each one unique. Not one is the same, not even twins. And it's so incredible when we think about what you've made. So, Father, we just pause this morning. Pause in our busyness, pause in our distractedness, pause in all of the things that are going on in life. The things that are going on in our heads. Some of us are really stuck in our heads this morning. I just pray, Father, that you would deliver us from our heads this morning. <laughs> the frustrations that we're facing in our, in our relationships. The, the frustrations that we're facing in work. And the frustrations we face about ourselves, Father. That we just let all of that go this morning. That we would realize that you're God and that you love us. We don't have to perform. We don't have to be someone we're not. We can just be who we are. And, Father, we are truly going to just be in your love this morning. Thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. All right. Awakens, awakens, awakens me. 
Sunday. Amen. Oh my goodness. Things are melting. I feel warm inside. I love this time of year per, pretty much because of what's expecting to come, and that is the spring of warmth. Warmth. Snow on Thursday. I did not hear that, Mr. Drews. I did not hear that. Well, I just have one quick announcement. We're going to play a video, and then we're going to release the kids to head on downstairs. Um, just very quickly, March 16th is our ne- next Nexus night at the Hop. Boy, that is a mouthful. I will mess that up every time I say that. Um, but we encourage you to come. Of course, we have a schedule up there in the back that I print off for you so you know kind of what else is happening at Nexus or at the Hop. And so every Monday they have it from 6 to 8 and Friday as well, 6 to 8. So uh, we have a multiple different variety of churches that participate in that. And so um, if you enjoy worship, particularly kind of like what we do here, um, it's very similar there as well. And I encourage you to go and just immerse yourself in God's presence. And then if you guys could play the video, we have the Equip Conference coming up. Take a quick gander at this. And then we'll continue. up and not be afraid and not be ashamed and we are encouraging and strengthening one another this is what needs to happen in the bride of christ but it's only going to happen if there are courageous people who are willing to take a stand and for the rest of the time i'm going to talk about jesus this morning because he is the one that saves us and sets us free because i can experience the satisfaction of god in the middle of the deepest valley are you all grabbing a hold of this today
So that'll be happening right after Easter this year. So if you're interested in going and uh, need some more information, please talk to me as soon as possible because we want to figure out where we're staying and uh, who's all going to be traveling down there so we can have all of our transportation figured out. But uh, it's well worth it. The conference is already paid for. The church pays for that. Uh, just a matter of a place to stay and how to get down there and your food. And, and it's all taken care of. So uh, it's a lot of fun. We usually have a small team that goes down there and enjoys it. Um, usually I go down early for other conference stuff that we have for the pastors, but this year I've chosen not to, so um, I would love to uh, make plans to travel down with you guys if you're interested. So, awesome. Otherwise, kids, you guys can head on down to Extreme Kids. Uh, remember, our offering is in the back, so if you want to give to that, we appreciate everybody who gives. Um, and uh, have a great time down there, Extreme Kids.
the king of my heart be the mountain where I run the fountain I drink from oh he is my song let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide the and for my life oh he is my song you are
never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You are good.
are good, God. Thank you. you are good. Right in the middle of whatever we're facing, even if we feel like we're in the middle of a pit and it's all black around us, Father, you are good. You are good. You are always good. Your love endures forever. It is patient. It is kind. It is true. It hopes the best. It believes the best. Your love never, ever, ever ever fails ever praise you Lord thank you that you're in the middle of it all praise your name I yield my heart to you I yield my heart to you I yield my heart to you you're my key. I yield my heart to you. I yield my heart to you. I yield my heart to you. You're my key. I yield my heart to you. I yield my heart to you. I yield my heart to you. You're my key. As they were eating, Jesus took, took, took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. That's from Matthew 26, 26 through 28. Oftentimes, whenever we come before the Lord's table to have to take communion 
I oftentimes try to put myself in the places of the uh, disciples. And as the disciples sat before the Lord at the time of Passover, which was a pilgrimage festival that you would come and gather to remember what the Lord had done, I have often tried to put myself there to know that they did not know for sure what was going to happen. And it was during that time that they sat around the table in the upper room and the Lord shared with them the final supper. Because then after that, the Lord would be taken and he would be crucified. And as you come forward during, during, during communion, I ask that you be reflective of yourself. This is a time of confession to the, to, to the Lord. It's time to reflect on the pain that you have inside of you, on the hate, the, un, the, the unforgiveness of others. This is a time to reflect on all those things. And also a time to be thankful and to remember what the, what the Lord has done, has, done, has done for us because we are inherently sinful. We are born sinful. We are not born good. And it is only by Jesus' blood that we are forgiven. And that at the end of our lives and at the end of our days, we will see Jesus if we truly confess that he is the Lord. And that is what, I, what, what, what we ask as a church body, is that if you come forward, you claim these things. And I ask as you come forward, you take the cup and you take the bread and you go back and we will take it together just as, just, just as the disciples did. And then I will read another, another passage. So take these next few seconds, minutes, to uh, reflect, then you can come forward.
From first first Corinthians eleven, twenty-three through twenty-nine. For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my this is my body, which is in remembrance of me. Let us Verse 26, for as often as you eat, eat this bread and, and drink, drink, drink this club, cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And let a person examine himself, then eat of the bread and, 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 and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body and drinks judgment on, 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 on himself. Now, verse 25, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my, in, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in, in remembrance of me. So let's take it. As we go forward in, in our time of worship, want us all to remember that we do not do this out of because it's what we've always done. We do this because the Lord commanded us to do it. And as the week goes on, let us continue to reflect on this. That we do not necessarily go and celebrate Passover. We don't go over to where the temple used to be. But oftentimes we have to stop and reflect. And we have to confess to God. And that is why we do communion, to remember what the Lord did, did, did for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for time in your presence. Thank you for a time to reflect. The amazing thing about communion is, yes, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on that cross that we can have life, life eternally. Pray, Father, that as we go from here at this time of reflection and go into your word more, that your Holy Spirit would speak through Pastor Luke. Thank you, Father, for the things that you have laid on his heart this week. The things that you have spoken to him about this week. And that his heart is prepared for what you want to do this morning. And I pray that your word would go forward today in power. And that it would change our lives. So that we can change the world. In Jesus' name.
If you guys could play that video, that would be the, the most important aspect of, of our marriage, staying pure, is guarding my time. So I want to make sure that, that we have time that's just for us. Accountability. A lot of accountability. Um, a mentor, having a mentor you can bounce stuff off of. My thing specifically has just always been accountability. Um, and the, when everything was going really well, like when I first came to Christ and, and I wasn't struggling, um, that's when I put accountability into place. A really important factor for us is the foundation that we laid um, before we got married. The purity that we had going into our relationship, into our marriage, um, the premarital counseling that we got, the prep for marriage classes, like all that stuff set us up for success in our marriage. Say you have uh, boyfriends or girlfriends that are going, yeah, my wife does this, 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 and this. And then you start thinking, well, my wife doesn't do those things. You can't, if you start using comparisons of your of your spouse to somebody else's, you're going to lose. You're not going to, you're not going to be comparing apples to apples for sure. Awesome. Well, we are back on our schedule of this five-week series. We are in week four. And uh, if you haven't been with us, uh, we've been going through the five commitments that we're making to make our marriages strong. And if you are not married today, which I realize that not everybody in a gathering like ours at church are particularly married. And so I understand that. And it might seem a little weird to have a, a marriage series when you have people who are not married. But a lot of these principles that we've been committing to can be applied to so many areas of life. And though I make these applications for marriage, you could apply this to things like your co-workers, your classmates, you can apply them to coworkers and on and on. Anybody who has a connection in your life, this could be applied to. And of course, the very first week, if you're with us, uh, we covered uh, the most important principle, I believe, in any relationship, and that is seeking God together. We're going to seek God together. Of course, the ways we can seek God together is through primarily two ways. That is God's word. And through prayer, and we need to diligently seek God together, which is not easy, right? We're busy people. And if you applied this to every relationship, that could consume your life. And so I understand that this is a, it's a high task, but it is the core of our commitment. Without that, the next four are very purposeless. They don't add up without God as the center. So the second week, we talked about conflict. Conflict is normal, we said. It's how we respond in conflict that makes the difference. We're going to have conflict, no matter if it's a shallow relationship or a deep relationship. If you have any kind of connection at all, you will have conflict. It's how do we respond within that that matters. And in fact, I even believe that conflict can be good. That's bizarre, I realize. But conflict can be good. It, it can actually strengthen relationships and build them up. Well, last week we talked about my weakest commitment or my least likely to succeed in, and that is having fun in marriage. We all began our relationships with our significant other having fun. It's what brought us together, right? Something happens along the lines between marriage and where you're at today that messes things up. Stuff like kids, a job, a house that you have to maintain, and the list goes on. 
And those things that brought you together, you may not even be able to do anymore. I gave the example of my wife and I, how we came together and we had a lot of fun at youth group. We play football at youth group. We're not in youth group anymore. And us playing football, though we could do it, it could get a little ugly when we sprain our ankle and we can't get back up for the next three days. It's just not going to work the same as it did when we were young. And we can't just go running off to any concert we want to like we used to do. Uh, we have people to take care of in the process when we're gone. So uh, it complicates things. It doesn't make it impossible. It just complicates things. And when you're pressing every day of the week at a job and you have other responsibilities like church and other things, it just makes it really exhausting to think I have to go home and do that as well. It makes it tough. But if you're going to have a strong marriage, we need to have that relational connection together and that physical connection together as well. It is what God ordained. It's what brings us that deep connection that no other relationship on the face of this earth can make. So we made that commitment last week. This week we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite. This is why you're all here today. I just know it. When, when you heard that we're going to be talking about staying pure this week, because I've been mentioning it for like the last four weeks, when I said that, I'm sure everybody was like, I'm showing up to this one. It's going to happen. Nobody likes to talk about staying pure. Um, and of course, this is, this is just the ugly stuff, right? Like, how do we stay pure in a world that is full of garbage, right? And you don't have to be married for this one to be an ouch message for. Um, and then next week, we're going to be talking about personally, one of my favorites is never giving up. That is something that has just been inside of me since I was born and developed in my parents' environment. Um, not giving up is just something that's a core value of mine. And it's been kind of passed down from generation to generation in my family. So we're going to be talking about that next week. I'm really excited about it because I really believe that there's some people that, that this could really unlock some things in your marriage as well. Um, and so I'm just going to ask a, a very interesting question. You probably aren't going to be expecting this today. But how many of you, by a raise of hands, have a goal someday to commit adultery? Anybody in here? Nobody wants to commit adultery. Nobody, nobody, nobody wants to say someday I want to go running off with somebody else and uh, leave my family behind. It's not something people do, right? Okay, so let's dumb it down just one level. How many of you, uh, by raise of hands, want to someday get addicted to some kind of pornography or some kind of other sexual sin like that? Any? But no, nobody's there either. Okay, how about I take it down even one more notch and lower it to, you know, more of a realistic. How about an emotional affair with somebody? You know, you're not going to harm anybody. It's just going to be between you and that person. Nobody else is going to know. Anybody want to get into an emotional affair? No, I didn't think so. That's fascinating. Okay, obviously that was being stupid. And that's just something to get our minds awakened to the reality of what we're facing today. I found this stat interesting, but 90% of Americans say that adultery is wrong. Now, whether you want to believe that or not, I, I really have my doubts about that, but they say that it's wrong. Most Americans would say that running off with somebody else's uh, boyfriend or girlfriend while you have your own is not right. Now, they are right, but... I just wonder if that stat is accurate. But here's another stat that I think is more accurate and more revealing. But between the years of 1998 and 2008, the University of California did this 
survey, and they found that between those 10 years, from 1998 to 2008, adultery, committing adultery, doubled. Committing adultery doubled in 10 years. Now, you may be wondering, well, that's not a surprise. What's the big deal? Well, the question that I have, and anytime I read a stat like that, some people probably is like, whatever, and just move on with their life. But, but I question why. Why is that happening? What has led us to that place in our country, our society? Well, I have three things. Now, this is not scientific. This is not anything special other than just my thoughts and some other thoughts of people that I've, thought, I've talked to. And the first one, I believe, is just the increased opportunity to live in pure ways, to see impure things. Now, when I was a kid, and most of you in here today, when you were younger, there was really not many options to see things that were impure or do things that were not very good for your your spirit. You had to, what, buy a video, an X-rated video, or maybe you had to um, find a magazine somewhere that somebody had. It wasn't as predominant. Now, today, gosh, you don't even have to be looking for it, right? You can be just scrolling in your Facebook feed and something pops up that you never wanted to see that somebody shared. Or you'll have a friend request from somebody that, oh my, I remember that person from high school. I I should be friends with them, right? Well, their whole intent is to connect on a level that you don't need to be connecting in. And pretty soon what started as just a friendship turns into an emotional affair. We have it everywhere. You turn on your internet and immediately you have the opportunity to see things and do things. That before you had to work fairly hard. You had to go to stores that nobody wanted to be seen in, right? It's more predominant today. It's, it's easy to get. The second way that I believe why this impure lifestyle has become so prevalent is just the loss of right and wrong, of ethics. What is the moral standard today? Can anybody answer that one? Is there a moral standard? Who defines right and wrong? The government? Society? Like, who does that? And it began, I remember, back when it was like, oh my goodness, you guys are living together and you're not married. Like, remember that? That was a big no-no. Now today, it's it's just what people do. It's what Christians do. And I get it. I totally understand it. It saves people money, right? It, it, it gives us the, the, the ability to practice and make sure that we're compatible. Because if, if we get together and we find out that we're not compatible later, all of a sudden we got these issues, right? And it makes sense, but it's still not God's best for us. We've caved to what society believes. But here's what I believe. I believe this is an opportunity for the church to shine. In the midst of all of this ugliness and all of this impure life that we we see in the world, we have an opportunity to show the world what true 
marriages look like, what families look like, what what freedom in Christ looks like, because they're trying to search, you know, they're they're creating their their own rights and wrongs. Everybody's doing it right. This is my beliefs. And if you don't believe them, you're wrong. They have their beliefs. They're just skewed from what God's word says. And, and so we have this this misunderstanding of what's right, what's wrong, what's allowed, what's not allowed. So my belief is, is we can show them that God's ways are actually best. It's good. This will truly bring you purpose, truly bring you hope, truly bring you everything you dreamed in your life. Now the last one, I believe, and why this, this impurity increasing Across America, there's a growing sense of entitlement. I believe that these kind of follow in line. There's an increased opportunity in our world to, to do sinful things. We've lost the right and wrong, and now we just have this entitlement. Who says I can't do that? I have the money to be able to do it. Why can't I? If I want to go run off with another person, who's it going to hurt? I'm right. They're wrong. But that is definitely not God's desires. And, and over this week, I, I was testing with our Facebook, and, and I just shared something that God put on my heart, and I, just, I really believe that this falls in line uh, with that as well today, is God's ways are not meant to restrict us. They're, they're not meant to make us feel bad, or, or make us feel like we have to hit a certain standard, and if we don't, we're, we're less than. God established order. He established structure, and today we want to look at this structure for what God has for marriage. And understand that it wasn't to restrain us, but to bring us true joy, true freedom. Because a, a sinful lifestyle doesn't do that. It doesn't bring joy. It doesn't bring Freedom is my okay. My mic is on. I feel like I'm not on. All right. So let's take a look at that. What does God's word say in regards to marriage? But now we're going to take a look at this one next week. This is kind of the heart of the message next week. So we're just going to pass by this this particular passage today. But Matthew 19 verses three through eight say, and this is Jesus kind of talking to the Pharisees, and they came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Oh, that's the first truth right there that you got to hold on to. God brings you together with your spouse. Nothing but death is to separate you and your spouse. That is God's intent. He goes on and he explains it even more. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? Why did he allow that? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, <laughs> because of our hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wife. But from the beginning, it was not so. God 
established your marriage. He created it. It is for your good. And everything that we see in scriptures isn't to, to ruin your life or to make it more confined or restricted or, or to put, your, put his finger on you and say, you are my puppet and you must follow my ways and do it this way. No, it is for your good. It is to help you, to sustain you, to help you be connected. That is God's heart for your marriage. In Ephesians 5, 3, Paul says this. He says, but among you, there must not be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Again, that wasn't for you to be beat up or to have to follow a certain way. It's for your freedom. We're not supposed to have sexual immorality. Hebrews 13, 4 says the marriage should be honored by, by who? By all. And what should we do with the marriage bed? Keep it pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexual immoral. So if you walk away with one thing today, if, if there's only one thing that I can get through to you today, it is this. Your purity affects your relationship with God and your spouse. Your purity affects your relationship with God and your spouse. Now you can't do anything about your past other than ask Jesus to forgive it. Okay? I will make that statement very clear today. But go from this day forward, from this day forward, your choices are powerful. And they affect your relationship with God and your spouse. So what do we do? How, how do we stay pure? I'm going to give you two things today. One is your head. A choice you make, and one is your heart. Your head, where the decisions are made, what you do and what you don't do. We know that God desires for your marriage to stay together, to be united, to never be separate. So how do you do that? How do you stay away from falling into sin, period? Whether it's in your marriage or just you personally, independently. The first one is to choose to stay away from impurity. You have to make a decision in your mind right now that I will not go down that trail. I will not click on that website. I will not think those thoughts about that person. I will put safeguards in my life. Listen to what Solomon told his son in Proverbs 5, 8. He says, keep to a path. Because what? Far from her. What is that? The adulteress. The person who wants to lead you away from the lifestyle that is right for God. Do not go near the door of her house. Stay away. Stay far from her. Don't even go near. Don't even think about it. Like, make a choice. I'm going to stay away from whatever that impurity. We all have different impurities, right? The impurities that I struggle with is going to be different than somebody else in here today. Or everybody else in here, in fact. You, you know what it is. You have to make that decision. I will not go down that path. Stay far from here. And Paul tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6, 18 and 20... Flee from sexual immorality. Right there. Flee. Stay away. 
don't go near, flee from her. You don't see that in Scripture very often. Now, I didn't go back and do a word count of, of how many times God's word says run away or flee or get away. It doesn't happen very often, right? Usually it's a put on your armor and fight. Stand up for God in his kingdom and go for it. Right? That's, that's what God's word is always saying. We've got to stand for God. But this is saying to flee, to run. It's not something to mess with. It's not a sin that we want to go down after. And then he goes on and says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. It's a choice. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So honor God with your body. It's a choice that we make. Saying, yes, I will stand for God. So what does that look like for you? Maybe it is setting boundaries on your phone, putting things in your computer that protect you from doing something that you would never want to do, never think or dream of doing. Maybe it's setting boundaries in your personal life. For my wife and I, way back when we were first in ministry, our church that we were a part of, they had this, this protocol that we would never go alone with the opposite sex, whether it's in a car or in a room, wherever it was, we would remain safe. Why? Because you never intend to make poor decisions. And it can happen in an instant. You don't even realize it. Because the enemy wants to what? Seek, kill, and destroy. You have to make it in your mind a choice. I will not go down that path. I will not go down that path. I will not bend that rule. So will you choose to stay away from impurity? It's in your head. It's a choice. Because your purity affects your relationship with God, your spouse. It affects it. But as much as it is a choice that we have to make in our heads, how, how many of you realize <laughs> that we're going to still fail, right? We're going to still have potential for making a poor decision and seeing something that we didn't want to see and looking longer than we wanted to look. We are humans. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, but we still have free will and we still make poor decisions. We're still going to go down wrong roads. As much as we have that intention and we fight and we work hard to every day wake up and say, I'm going to make good decisions. We need to have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us to help us to rely upon. As much as this is a head thing, it's also a heart thing. We have to fight we have to flee by encountering God, by putting him into our hearts. Listen to, to Psalm 119, verse 9. Now, this is David after he had gone through a lot of things in his life, right? He had made some mistakes. He made some poor decisions. But in Psalm 119, verse 9, he says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. It's a decision that he made. But listen to where it came from. It came from a heart. I seek you with all my heart. It wasn't just a head thing. As important as it is that it's a head thing, that it's a decision, it comes from the heart. I don't do this just because I know I need to do it. It's because I want to do it. I 
want to please my Savior. I, I want to do what, what would be honoring to him and bringing him glory. And so, so David's doing this because he had an encounter with God. It changed him. It wasn't just a, a book that we know is full of, of God's truth, but it was actually something that was inside of him that affected him and impacted him. It changed his life. He continues by saying, do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This goes back to Psalm 51. If you want to turn to that in your Bibles, we're going to read a good chunk of Psalm 51 together. And this is coming from a time where, where David had just been addressed by Nathan. If you know the story, he had that bad decision that he made to look at Bathsheba for a little too long. He messed up pretty bad. I mean, it took him all the way to murder and committing massive adultery, right? Like, I don't know if you can get any worse than that. Like, the moral right and wrong in David's life had been so far removed from where God had put him, where he had been in the past. And so we we see in Psalm 51... How God had once again encountered David. He had received that forgiveness that many of us in here have received. We've been forgiven, but we've made mistakes. And now we come back to Jesus again. We say, gosh, Jesus, I'm not living the pure life that I know you want me to. There's things inside of me that are between me and you and maybe even me and my spouse or my kids or or other people. And here is David after being encountered with Nathan, having this encounter again with God, and he's just pouring his heart out to him and asking for forgiveness. And he says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. What is he doing? He's admitting his sin. He's like, God, oh, so full of disgusting evil. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may have justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. But look at this. Behold, You delight in truth, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. I just, that passage right there just struck me as I was reading it this week. That's what just, this whole message kind of came towards that statement. We'll continue reading in a second, but just, just think about that. Read it again. Behold, you delight in truth, in the inward being. A heart that's been impacted by God longs for the same thing that God longs for. Purity. I don't know about you, but this is, this is just a battle inside of me every day. I'm so busy. But what does that busyness do to my relationship with God? It disconnects us. It keeps us from being where He is. And so as I read this, I just think, 
man, I want to have God's heart. I want to be like David and I want to be able to just pour out my spirit towards him and, and long for what he longs for. And the only way to do that is to go back to week one and seek him. In our busyness, we don't spend time with him and we get distant from him. And the things that we do are good things. It could be ministry related things. Could be work. You can't do anything about work, right? Like you gotta go to work. Bosses require that. Hmm. Continue on. He says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Only God can do that. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. He's broken. And hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Oh, it's so good. Hide not your face from my hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew my spirit, the right spirit. comes from a heart your lifestyle the decisions you make as though you can be dogmatic and want to make these decisions it comes from a heart that's encountered god has truly encountered god and who's been made right cast me not away from your presence and take not your holy spirit from me restore to me the joy of your salvation there's joy in salvation not a bunch of rules and regulations but joy And uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners will return to you. That's powerful. Sinners will return to you. We've all got loved ones. Neighbors. Co-workers that are far from God. When our hearts are right with God. When they're connected. Sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. O God and God of my salvation, my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise How do we live a pure life in a world where everything is screaming at us? You need more. You need better. Get this. Get that. Oh, you deserve it. How do we fight that spirit that is prevalent across America today? Running to Jesus. That's it. Hungering after him. Your heart matters. Your heart matters. Hmm. Will you press into him? Whatever you've done in the past, it's forgiven if you run to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. But from this day forward, 
Will you spend time with Jesus? Go back to week one and just spend time in his word. Spend time with him in prayer. Run to him and you will find yourself in line with what the scriptures say. There's not another book that needs to be written on how to live a pure life. There's not a a step one, step two, step three that we need to practice today. Run to Jesus and your life will line up with his word. Read his word. Spend time with him today. Spend time with him today. And listen to this. This is powerful. As we just read, a broken spirit, a contrite heart, you will not despise. Paul similarly says in 2 Corinthians 7.10, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regrets. And so today what we're going to do at the altar is, man, this altar... (laughs) What we call an altar, just this open space where we come before our creator, is a place for you. It's a place for you to lay your burdens down. I know every single one of us in here today, the Bible makes it very clear, we've sinned. We make mistakes. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God, right? Our righteousness is like filthy rags. I mean, the, the Bible over and over says how our attempts are short. And so each and every single one of us today come in here with things that are on our spirit, are on our mind, that are plaguing us, that are keeping us from being connected with our spouse and with God. We're not living a pure life in some way, some regards. We're all doing it. Whatever that looks like, it might not be sexual for you. It might be things of the mind. It might be relationships with somebody that you're holding on to. I don't know what it is for you, but God wants you to bring it to the altar today and leave it here. That's why we go to the altar the altars are a place where we connect with God. We encounter him. He, have, he impacts our heart. And whatever we've come up here with, we walk away without it. It's gone. Forever. Not, not, not just for that day, but forever. And so today as we enter into this last song, as we, we seek forgiveness of this impurity that whatever we are struggling with, I encourage you to spend time at the altar. This is between you and God. But today as well, if you need prayer for anything, I will be off to the side and I would love to pray with you and we can just seek God together on what you are praying about and what you want breakthrough for. Today is your day. And as the worship team comes, I ask that everybody in here would stand today. And Father, I just, I thank you, God, that this, talking about purity and, and living a holy life is never something that, that anybody wants to hear. But God, it is the impurities that we carry around that impact us. Our impurity impacts our relationship with you and with our spouse, with our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates. God, it impacts every aspect of our life. And so, Father, we want to come before you today and we want to lay those burdens down at your feet, at at this altar, and allow you to forgive us. Because the beautiful thing, God, about the Scriptures is it just makes constant reference to seeking forgiveness, repentance. Laying it down before you brings joy, brings new life, brings no regrets. 
And so, Father, I pray that every single one of us will search our hearts, God, and allow our eyes to see what you see and cleanse those impurities, God. Maybe things that we haven't even seen before, God, that are there that you want to free us from, God. The enemy seeks to kill and destroy us. And so he blinds us to the truth. But, God, you want to reveal that truth inside of us and bring it out so that we can experience freedom. And so, Father, today... I am trusting that you are going to free some hearts today. You're going to free some lives today so they can walk out of here experiencing the true connection with you that is available that they have never experienced. In Jesus' name.
I know you're speaking today right now to hearts. Holy Spirit, don't stop. Don't stop. And for others in here this morning, I realize that as Angie shared at the beginning, there's there's just distractions all around us. Our minds are thinking of things already of what what we're going to do after church. And, and so, Father, we're already being distracted in our minds of keeping us from what you want to speak to us about. The enemy's done his best in lives, God, to tear apart families, to tear apart spouses, God. He's so cunning. He's so wise. He's got his ways that seem like it's not even happening, and it does. Before you know it, you look around, and you're not sure where you got, how you got there. And So, Father, I know your heart is for every marriage in our church, in our community, and beyond to be connected deeper than we could even imagine so I pray that right now Father whatever this is that the enemy has has snuck in there in our marriages our our families our relationships God however he's done it Father I pray that you would move because Father as, as we read in the Old Testament God as we open up our eyes and we see That those who are for us are greater and mightier than those that are against us, Father. We know that, Father, when we see what you see, we will be able to fight and stand courageously. And so I pray that in every marriage, every family, Holy Spirit, you do a work. You do a work. Help us to love one another the way you love us. To care. To be there. Show mercy and grace. Where there is none that is deserved. Father, I believe right now you are sending your Holy Spirit to fill every heart fill every mind to do what only you can do and that is to release us from bondage into freedom into hope to joy to victory in Jesus name yes. in Jesus name